Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That felt good. That felt really good. <laughs> okay. Sweet. Let's All do right. it. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Cult Popshire podcast. Um, this week we're doing a film review and we uh, you might think we do film reviews quite often on this podcast but I like to use the term discussion for what we normally do and um, AJ I know you like to use the term mad scushy but mm. um, this is our first um, foray into an actual review straight up should you go see it no sort of weird should joe go see it um kind of thing it's yeah. just we're actually just discussing the yeah i, I guess of the film. yeah i guess um in in the grand scheme of things since we're quite a um low traffic podcast uh we generally try to keep away from just flat out reviewing a film because everyone's doing that and why would anyone listen to us um and so, yeah, we usually try, if we are talking about like a current film, we usually try to put a spin on it, like talking about if someone should go see it or not. But um, no, this time we're just going to straight up. Re- I mean, there it is. It isn't just for no reason. We we got, mm. so we did we did the the book of Ready Player One, which is well, the I, I'm movie. Richard. Oh, and I'm AJ. Um, we did, the, we did a review of the Ready Player One novel around Christmas time, a little after Christmas, because that was our Secret Santa uh, present that we got from um, someone who I hope maybe is now a listener. Who knows? We don't know. Um, and we thought, hey, we reviewed the book. Uh, we It's quite a controversial book within nerd communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we go and see the movie? And fun fact, if you're listening to this now going, geez, they got that out quick. The movie only came out yesterday. You're correct. Uh, I anticipate this will be live within two hours of me saying this. So <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this might be our, our quickest um, record to air time yet. And like, but we planned this weeks in advance. We knew when it was coming out. We knew when mm. we had a gap in our in our schedule. So we put this in place. It's not like we were like, oh shit, we need to record releasing in two hours. Oh, what do we do? Fuck, let's just review a movie. <laughs> All right. So of course we are reviewing one of the big, um, like current uh, blockbustery uh, book adaptations. Um, of course, um, stars James Corden. It's an adaptation of Beatrix Potter's. Um, Peter Rabbit, and oh. so let's just address the elephant in the room. Um, oh, the dear. characterization of Mopsy, um, Mopsy obviously being one of my all-time favorite characters. I don't know how you personally feel about them, AJ, but um, this movie hashtag not my Mopsy. No, your Mopsy. Yeah. Look, man, I've done it to you again. I didn't see Peter Rabbit. I saw Ready Player One. <sighs> you always do this. Pete, Peter Rabbit play Peter Reddy, Reddit. Peter Reddit. Oh, it's all connected. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So we watched uh, Ready Player One. It's Steven Spielberg's new film. You might be thinking, oh, Steven Spielberg just had a new film out that you guys discussed only a few you weeks know, ago. I, th- I bet there are people thinking that, Richard. I bet yeah, they're going- and- what is this fake news the Cop Opera Boys are giving us? <laughs> Clearly, you can't direct two movies that come out within like two months of each other. Well, guess what? He bloody did it. And um, Replay One is obviously a very fixed heavy film, and um, it took a long time post production. So he went and made, he was like, um, like, you know, his editor and whatnot were like, oh, this is going to take quite a while in post. And he was like, say that again. And he was like, post. And he was like, that's it. I found my next. You guys, you guys hold down the fort for a few months. I'm gonna mm. go 
direct this film. Um, but anyway, it's based on a novel by Ernest Klein, which we've both read uh, quite recently. I've read it twice. It's one of my favorite books. And um, uh, it stars Ty Sheridan as Wade Watts. Uh, ben Mendelsohn plays the film's villain. Nolan Sorrento also has Olivia Cook as uh, Artemis slash Samantha. And uh, uh, Simon Pegg makes an appearance and a whole cast of other characters. Now, Mark Rylance, come on. He Mark, Mark Rylance, yeah, actually, he's, he's the other kind of big one. Um, he plays James Halliday. So... Uh, also, the way we are going to go about this podcast is uh, we're going to split it into a completely spoiler-free spoiler free review um, for you know however long it ends up being. There'll be a time code in the description um, if you want to skip ahead to hearing all the spoilery stuff as well or, or know when to stop listening. But we will warn you when we're going to start talking spoilers. Yeah. So, the basic plot of Ready Player One, what is it? Um, so basically there is a virtual reality game that is, is just, it's called the Oasis. You put on a headset, you go to this alternate reality where everyone can be whatever they want. Most people are like video game or movie characters. Um, and most of, of, of the characters live their lives in the Oasis because real life is just really boring and bad now. Uh, and there's essentially, um, an internet monolith, uh, called the IOI, um, and they want to take control of the Oasis and monetize it so that they can get heaps of money from selling advertising space in the Oasis, which was, of course, created by a... Um, Willy Wonka-esque. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. between Wonka. Steve Jobs and Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah. Um, named James Halliday, and he he was you know James Halliday really stuck to his guns and stuck to what he believed was right, and so the Oasis is currently free, but yeah, the IOI want to steal it, and um, right before, well, right after James Halliday died, he put out a video that said, "Hey, guess what? There's actually an Easter egg." hidden in the oasis um if you find it you have to do all these challenges you have to find all these keys and do all these challenges to find it but if you do you get sole ownership of the oasis so the ioi are are racing the gunters or egg hunters to to this easter egg in order to control the internet or the oasis so yeah, that, that's right. And we we follow the adventures of a young man called uh, whose avatar is named Parzival. His real name is Wade Watts, and he is he's a gunter. He's searching for the egg because he wants to um, avoid IOI getting control of it. That was a very nice explanation there, AJ. Now on to the actual film itself. Um, what did you like? What didn't you like? Let's let's focus on the pros to begin with. What was you know, what stood out to you? Okay, um, and I'll speak vaguely as to not spoil yeah, and, any and try and um, speak um, as like objectively as you can about without going into um, uh, how you felt based on having read the book. Okay, sure. Because so for me, that was the most it. difficult thing. Yeah, yeah, was, was distancing myself from that. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was uh, an exciting enough story i thought that the um the action sequences in it are like really breathtaking especially there's one right at the start that is just like really captivating and really pulls you into the movie um the acting's great from a couple uh standout players uh my favorite would probably you mark rylance mark oh, rylance yeah. <laughs> uh as as james halliday that that man is an actor <laughs> like yeah. mark rylance is is an actor because i've seen him play a couple roles before but this he totally like disappeared into his role i really i really enjoyed him yeah. as halliday the, oh, and i also really like thing- ben mendelson yeah, I was going to mention Ben Mendelsohn as well. So the, the, one of the interesting things about um, Mark Rylance's performance as James Halliday is that, like, watching the first trailer that showed a bit of him, um, it's when he's like, if you're watching this, it means I'm dead. And it's yeah. very um, – it, it feels very stilted and very – like, it looks like it could be interpreted as a poor performance, but it's mm-hmm. so integral to the character that he's like – a social outcast and and kind of talks like that and um yeah as also as well Ben Mendelsohn who plays the villain um is great as always 
I love yeah. Ben Mendelsohn, dude. He's great. He's so good. And Rogue One, he's so good. And the Darkest the, Hour. And Darkest Hour. He was. He, well, I didn't mention this in our Oscars podcast. He was actually inexplicably my favorite character in Darkest Hour. Like <laughs> he was just. So, I don't. Maybe it's because he's got like this lisp that he <laughs> he refuses yeah. to like let get in the way of his performance. I don't know. <laughs> he's such a fun actor to watch. Just chew the scenery and like yeah. just really like. He's, uh, he's a, a yeah, perfect I love villain. Him. As well. yeah, yeah yeah he's a really good villain yeah um yeah so that was all really good and the um the special effects are incredible it's like mm-hmm. it manages to um it, it's 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 got this sort of good sort of safety net because anything that's not perfect is kind of okay to not be perfect and one thing that I thought was really cool. Because it's a set cool, inside a video game. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. one thing I thought was really cool, that when you get like really up and close to these um, avatars, you've got um, like the skin has got this weird sort of texture to it. And mm-hmm. um, you get, you also get, so there's characters that are obviously made to look human. Then you've got like orcs and stuff like that. But there's, uh, at one point you see um, Harley Quinn from the Arkham games. And yeah, yeah. it's the exact same like texture, even though like the people she's sitting with, are, you know, like human texture. And then you see like there's Easter eggs galore in this film and you can, yeah. you could sit and watch this whole film frame by frame and pick out a reference in each frame. And um, there's like little, like I noticed a little Hello Kitty walking past and it's like yeah, fully yeah. just like not at all realistic or human in any way it just but and so the the blending of different textures i thought was really cool yeah yeah if ever cult pop show was represented by a film <laughs> it would yeah. be either this or or who framed roger rabbit um not that we're as good as either of those films but um <laughs> i don't know it's hard to to balance a youtube channel and podcast against two blockbusters but um can I make a comparison to the book without spoilers? Oh, uh, let's tr- let's try. Let's try. Okay, so by far, you go online, you read what people think of this book. By far, the most common criticism is that it's really cringy with how bogged down it is with explaining references or, or including references. It's very... Um, it goes out of its way to let you know that this character's from this or this means this. And I said this when we did the book review of it. It actually reads like um, you're talking to a fellow geek who wants you wants to beat wants to one up you and yeah. telling you what what he what he knows that you know it as well, but he wants to get there first for the glory of saying it. Yeah, um, like essentially what this podcast is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and. And I think the movie, I didn't feel that at all. And that's really amazing because, again, like people leading up to this movie, people were like, ugh, they're going to be like, it's Harley Quinn. See, you know that. You know these references, right? But after seeing this movie, I'm like, why was this a book? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like this was so clearly intended to be a movie first because in a book you have to write all these things because they're not inferred. You have to write, um, I walked past a Hello Kitty and a whatever, you know, some other pop culture reference that is just, and you just get real jaded reading these things because it feels very, how do you do, fellow kids? But in a movie, you can just have an entire canvas of a scene where there's, a, yeah, there is a Hello Kitty and there is a, a um, Overwatch character and there is a, a Batman, you know, like, and it doesn't need to draw your attention to it. And that's the problem with the book is that it draws your attention to these references that Ernest Klein thinks he's so knowledgeable and so... So, um, you know, in in with the the cool kids for for knowing and 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 making like and like alluding to, but in a movie you don't need to do that. And if they didn't do that in the movie, I'd be disappointed because it'd be like you say this is a um, pop culture inspired universe where we're all pop culture creatures, and no one but Spielberg could get all these IPs to play nice, yeah, um, in one movie together. And so I don't know. I I think if I didn't know that the main criticism of Ready Player One was that it's overstuffed with pop culture references, I would have never made that criticism if I'd seen this film. 
Does yeah, that make like, sense? So, yeah, yeah. You said about how it's obviously meant to be a movie. It was a failed screenplay that Ernest yeah. Klein was then like, oh, well, I'll write a book then. And yeah. then they got turned into a movie. But, yeah, it, it's as, as well you say about how it's good that Spielberg was behind this. And there is a lot of – it's interesting because the, the I'd say there's less, uh, like, pop culture – icons at the forefront of this film apart save for one or two which we'll get into in the spoiler review um mm-hmm. but whereas like the book has quite a few that are really important to the story and uh yeah there's it's hard to explain but there's it, it does this weird no this nice sort of balance of like you'll have a character it's like oh that's an orky kind of looking character but it doesn't have to be balrog or yeah, whatever, yeah, totally, and so totally. you get that this the whole place is influenced by pop culture, but you're not getting the everyone's doing reference, and this was kind of hinted at in the trailers as well. Like, and you mentioned it with like the Overwatch character who is in one of the trailers, and people were like, "Um, that's not from the '80s," because part of the whole thing of uh, the setup of the book is that uh, James Halliday was obsessed with the '80s, and so everyone has to. Um, there's this whole resurgence of 80s culture and so basically the Oasis is one giant 80s circle jerk but in the film you've got characters from Overwatch you've got characters from Halo pop up and it like that makes way more sense because if you're going to the Oasis in 2045 and you're 30 years old or 40 years old you are gonna have grown up with characters from overwatch and yeah halo because you those were the ones that were when you were in your teens even if you're searching for the egg whether you are or not you you want to use stuff from your own life because it's what per, what's personal to mm. you and so i think that one of my yeah sorry one of my um one of my favorite kind of um missteps with the book that i noticed was that um when he's like painstakingly listing all these things that that the main character has, has read and knows about uh he mentions the star wars trilogies and he's like only the only the original trilogy and of course ready player one the novel came out one year before disney's acquisition of star wars and so like probably the biggest pop cultural um you know acquiring of all time at least in our lifetimes of Disney buying Star Wars and announcing more movies is like suspiciously absent from the story that's set in 2045. Um, And again, that's kind of why I I think the movie benefits, but I guess in, in actual 2045, maybe that, that won't apply anymore because people will be like, I don't know, there's an Overwatch characters, but why aren't there any Overwatch five characters? Because that was really the, the, the biggest Overwatch game. But you you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. um yeah, it's like um, it is interesting. It came out like in the last couple of weeks that like apparently Disney didn't let Spielberg use Star Wars characters, and then uh, it it came out like Spielberg said, "Oh, they did say yes, but we decided against it because it's still going on, and it's like it's still mm. like it's not a complete package that they can be like this has happened and we're putting it in the past and." He said there is an R2-D2 in the film. I didn't notice it personally. But he said, um, yeah, we, we were allowed to use the characters, but I decided against it. There, There's a, um, I wouldn't call this a spoiler, but they they briefly allude to uh, the Millennium Falcon yeah. at one point. So, I mean, we're, we're allowed to, to get in on the fact that Star Wars exists in the Oasis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I I really liked was um, the score as well, Alan Silvestri, Mm. Um, because Mm. uh, growing up for myself, growing up with Back to the Future and that score being so iconic and Alan Silvestri did that as well. And there's all these little motifs that when we watched um, Romancing the Stone recently, there was these similar sort of motifs in his music that I was like, yes, that's Back to the Future. Yes, yeah. And there are some very deliberate references to back to the future and because obviously it's one of the biggest things of pop culture in the 80s and yeah so there are these little when there's you know there'll be like a plot element that involves uh back to the future in some way and they'll be like that yeah 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and there was also a uh, musical motif reference to a um, an intellectual property that I wouldn't be aware was a musical reference had we not done this podcast, and I'll save that for the spoilery talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it starts right now, the spoiler <laughs> talk. Um, well, okay, I, I think we, we should go into some of the sort of um, a couple of the, the spoiler-free negatives and then give like a general um, what we thought of the film. So if someone yeah. wants to know, they can stop listening and know what we thought of it. So what mm-hmm. would you say your kind of negatives are? Um, the starting isn't the start isn't very well paced. It kind of um, it's like it's like it's almost like Spielberg sitting there with you. And he's like, look, I had to put like ten minutes of narration to explain everything right up top. Yeah, it's after very that, dense. <laughs> after that, we're good to go. But it's not going to be clear if you haven't read the book what is happening. So I'm just going to like jam pack narration into there, even when it's not necessarily needed, and it kind of just jumps right into it. And yeah. Um, that'd be my biggest criticism. I don't really have too many others. Um, wasn't, uh, that's not even, a, I'm just looking for criticisms. I was going to say I wasn't impressed with the, like the main heroes, but I wasn't unimpressed with them. They're fine. Like, yeah, like I, my, my, a lot of, most of my sort of negative, my, most of my criticism is to do with, um, adapting the book rather than as a film. But uh, my yeah, it's this film is exposition central. Um, mm. Like it is very <laughs> heavy on the exposition, and there are scenes when you know it'll cut to someone and they'll be like, "Wait, so you're doing this?" When they obviously would have just yeah, finished yeah. explaining it to someone. Um, but yeah. yeah, the start is like dun 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 dun. Um, it's very- 2045, and I live in Columbus, Ohio. There's a thing called the Oasis. There's nowhere like, to go. You've just shown me it. Nowhere yeah, I can tell. I the can, Oasis. You, <laughs> the, you don't really are like, ah, oh, <clears throat> it's annoying that um, I kind of wish, I kind of, what, what I think, had thought I had is I kind of wish the book was uh, third-person narration instead of first-person narration. Because, mm. first of all, the movie, which even though it, it's narrated by Wade, it still goes to places Wade isn't and is all the better for it. And we'll get to that um, in spoilers. Um, but, it yeah, there's the 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 start of the movie he you see him like walking down through they call it the stacks like the slums where they all live in real life yeah, there's a bunch of like camper vans stuck to stay yeah 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 and you can actually glean quite a lot from what you're seeing going on around like like off the top of my head i don't need to know that it's post-apocalypse or whatever you want to say it. Like, I can tell that the world is in disrepair. Um, And also, I can tell by the fact that everyone is wearing goggles that they're doing something in those goggles. And I I wonder what this movie would look like were there no narration and it simply showed us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the main... I feel I will be one of the sort of main gripes with this film is that it does feel like it spoon-feeds you everything, but it's like... At the same time, it's such a dense, uh, like it's such a dense world to be thrown into, and there's because the whole point of it is, is like this is what the world's been like for thirty years or twenty years or five years or whatever. Um, so there's there's no audience surrogate that's like, oh, I just woke up from a coma. What's the oasis? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it, it has no, to be narrated. There's no Philip J. Fry. <laughs> yeah. So there's. Yeah, yeah, they're like they never, and the the whole point of the our main characters is how well they all know the same thing. So yeah, yeah, it's this weird thing of like having to have characters explain things to each other, or you just narrate it to the audience. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, well, overall, I would say I really liked this movie though a lot more than I thought I would, and a lot more than the book, and a lot more than I, th- I think. I think generally the reception i've read from a lot of reviewers that i know and trust have been yeah i like this a lot more than i thought i would yeah that's what i've seen as well every review i've seen is like yeah it's better than i thought um i mean a lot of people hate the book which is why the reviews are getting so good whereas i love the book so i would i would call this like a a seven or a i need to like me like a five to eight, somewhere in that sort of thing, because I, I and we'll we'll start getting to spoilers maybe around now, but 
for me, this is the first time I've ever read a book, loved a book, and then they've announced a film adaptation and then I've like seen all these people be cast and thinking, Oh, I don't know if I would have picked them. And then seeing a movie, especially like having reread the book recently as this is the only time that's ever happened to me. Normally I'll like this film has been announced and I've seen a trailer. So I'm like, Oh, I'll read the book or I've seen the movie and I've thought oh, I'll read the book. And it's, it's never happened. And it happens, it's, it's such a common phenomenon for like people who read a lot more often than I do. But mm. It's yeah, this is the first time it's happened for me, so it's it's hard for me to process. Um, uh, this, yeah, yeah. I I um I read the Warm Bodies novel after I saw the trailer for the Warm Bodies movie, mm. uh, and then I went to see the movie after I read the novel. And it's weird because the movie was like borderline incoherent to me because I was like, "How are they ending it there? How are they changing this? <laughs> that doesn't make sense." So I know, I, even though we've both read. Ready Player One, I, I do know how you feel. So, um, are we getting into spoilers now? Yeah, well, so let's just give like a final. So, we both say go see it. Yeah, it's yeah. worth watching. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely just like a fun time at the cinema. And yeah. um, especially if you're like well-versed in pop culture, you'll have fun just pointing things out. Okay, sweet. And so, now we can begin our spoiler review. So, this is not only spoilers for the film, but... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We're going to be talking about the book and some differences between the book and the film. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the funny things I want to tell the story is that I messaged you a couple of days ago and I said, AJ, I either just read a spoiler for Ready Player One or I just dreamt something about Ready Player One. And I, and I honestly couldn't remember which one it was. And it was, um, it was that the first key was nothing to nothing like it was in the book. Um, and the first key, the, like the, the challenge to get the first key was the race that's in every trailer. And I was like, and then I spoke to you about it and I was like, no, it must have been a dream. And I went through all the reasons why it wouldn't make sense. And then, of course, now having seen the film, that's exactly what happened. And, and not only was the first challenge completely changed from the book, but so was the second challenge. <laughs> like yeah. two, two out of the three challenges are well, the th- the third hugely different quite a bit as well yeah yeah but it's still got the same basic um, yeah well, premise. what's yeah what's interesting is that this movie basically has the same beginning the same ending and the same characters as the book but almost everything else is uh it takes its liberties i guess yeah there's this there are some interesting changes and some that i wasn't too big a fan of because uh, mostly because they like took away some of my favorite moments in the book i thought the setup was interesting because i in the book wade is like um it's a whole thing that he's he's not allowed to leave the school planet basically and he's just a nobody but he's he's a supreme gunter but he doesn't doesn't have the resources but and then, you know, they end up finding the first key on Ludus, which is the, the school planet, which is in the film. It zooms past it. And that's when I was kind of like, nah, they're probably not going to do this the way it goes in the book but because that's, it, was, that's because it felt thing. more like an Easter egg for book readers rather than, don't worry, we're going to come yeah. back here. But why would you want to see that visually? Like, to me, and I didn't love everything. There, oh, actually, I'll rephrase that. I, there are a few things that were omitted from the book that I quite liked in the book, but things like Ludus and um, basically all the challenges that were changed, I was like, yeah, when I read this book, I could have told you then this isn't going to work on film. Yeah, and yeah. So Ludus I'm, is an example of that because why would you? I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm some, not something like in Ludus. Scene. Ludus, I found like interesting because it, it spoke a lot about the uh economy of the oasis because it's like you mm. go in you get this free education but that's all you're allowed unless you work for it basically and yeah, so it's yeah. like even though going to the oasis is free to actually do anything like isn't amazing and 
it also sets up the kind of hero storyline or the like chosen one a bit better because it's like this kid that was stuck in the worst place imaginable and that ended up being where exactly where he needed to be whereas and the the change to the first challenge was um it's almost because it's this race that's been it seems like it's been happening every day for five years and yeah all you have to do like literally all you have to do to win is go backwards at the start of the race i know and i'm i mentioned that to the person i saw it with as well but um i mean the book had the same problem man like none of the challenges in the book were so no no one gets any of the keys for five years after the competition starts Mm. for five years in the book no one worked out a relatively well actually no it's more um Maybe it's not so much the first puzzle in the book. And you're right, in the movie, the fact that you just had to drive backwards and it's like, has no one done this before? Well, the fact that no one's even done it by accident or anything like that. The fact that no one's done it by accident or anything like that. And especially I found with the last key, and so like going into quite major spoilers here, but like, um, I mean, I guess if you can't get the... If that doesn't, the, the, so the last key is, um, there's an Atari 2600 with every game on it. And there's like one game you have to play and it'll give you the key and you don't know what it is. But the fact, if that existed in Anorax Castle the whole time, the fact that no one's ever played that and the fact that no one's ever played that the specific game they needed to and did what they needed to, like, that's just, it wouldn't happen. I know, I agree with you, but I feel like the book had similar problems. Like, there were so many things in the book that was like, I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons and I could have told you this. And like, like, so to to sort of go over it, um, and it's been a couple months since I've read the book, so correct me if I'm wrong. We'll go through each of the main challenges and we'll talk about what they are in the book and what they are in the movie. Mm. Also, one thing that we can get out of the way now is that in the book, there's a, a challenge to get the key and then a challenge to go through the gate and the movie doesn't have any gates. Yeah. Like well, that, the gates are just you unlock and walk through and then you've got... That, and, the, in, in, in the grander sense, though, this movie just cuts all the fat. Like another change I noticed there was that um, in the book they make a big deal out of um, one of the other main gunters getting a... a relic that can turn you into any giant mecha robot of your choosing and it's a big deal in the book because it's like this this artifact that's passed between people. In the movie, he just has it, and they kind of vaguely allude to it earlier on that he got it. But all you need to know is now he's a giant robot. And mm-hmm. th- the same thing with, like, I don't need a, a key and a gate and a challenge. We need yeah. one thing for each thing. And I'm not saying it's better than it is in the book. I'm saying it works better for the movie. Yeah. Um, so in the, in the book, the first challenge is there's a Dungeons & Dragons cave on Ludos and you go there and you have to defeat a giant monster in a in an arcade game and then the yeah, that you get the key from that and then the key opens up another thing where you have to go into the Matthew Broderick film um war games, war games. is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you have to recite it word for word and finish. Thank God they didn't do that in the movie. <laughs> what an what what an uneventful thing to like sit through. Just someone know, reciting everyone, war everyone games. says that like they're like, oh, thank God the war games thing's gone, or like, oh, like good luck doing the war games thing. I don't know. I kind of liked that, and I, I mean, like like you say, like it's trimming the fat, and they didn't need the gates, but um. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see the War Games thing. I would, especially like I would have liked to see how they do it. However, they kind of do, yeah, do a version yeah, well, of that. Yeah, um, I haven't seen War Games, so I was like, whatever. I don't, I don't really mind. The second um, key. What is the second one in the book? In the book, is it the the Zorp one or Zork, whatever the game's called? Yeah, yeah, with the cereal box. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's all just so convoluted, and in the movie they go into the shining <laughs> yeah is that what yeah they go into yeah. the shining and, and well they go into the probably, overlook hotel yeah yeah and was probably my favorite scene in the movie and also the best addition in the movie yeah. and but all simultaneously a very divisive choice of film that a lot of people in my cinema 
I don't think had seen The Shining because if you have, it's like this is actually hysterical. Like, yeah. oh my god! Like, like it's like like um the character of H like just following a ball and finding the two little girls and then pressing the button and all the blood comes out of the elevator and then the lady getting undressed and stuff. It's like this is so funny because this character hasn't seen The Shining, so they don't know what's coming. Yeah, and yeah, they're like, oh, that- I'm trying to open the elevator, and we had to establish that H, yeah, like you said, hasn't seen The yeah. Shining. So when it's pressing the elevator call button, you're like. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> and so I feel like that, it didn't have to be The Shining, but that's essentially the heart behind the idea of the War Games um, segment from the book, is I like the idea of going into a famous movie and having to man- like maneuver it, but I don't think reciting it line for line is particularly gripping. Yeah. It's hard, it'd be difficult, but it's not. I would, yeah, I like the more the idea of having to complete the challenge in the movie itself uh, and having, you know, I feel like War Games isn't that much of a tentpole in pop culture. Maybe that's yeah. just me. But, so yeah. I feel like The Shining was more appropriate of a, of a film to choose for that idea. Yeah. You get also the um, the, uh, the the actual challenge that was inside The Shining was mm. a little, like, corny, I thought. Right. You but like dance with everything, everything up to it was like real cool, and then it just was like kind of cheesy. Yeah, I didn't like how. Um, so they go into the the um, ballroom, and it suddenly changes to like this zombie dance, and it's like I don't mind that you're changing it from The Shining to something else, but I wish it was something else because they like, oh, it's Halliday's first game for the Atari or whatever. And I was mm. like, eh, I'd I'd rather it be something real. Um, and then the third challenge in the book is sort of the same. They, they save the day a little differently. The last act has quite a lot of similarities, I think yeah. to the, to the book. Um, the other, the other best part other than the shining was the Chucky reference. Um, I thought, <laughs> which, just cause man, it was the, the, the film's F bomb. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a good F bomb. What a good F bomb that was. And like, it was just a, it was just I wasn't expecting Chucky again. That part's not in the book. If you haven't read the book, Chucky's not. I can't. I can't remember Chucky being mentioned. He's certainly not a weapon at that point in the story. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a great f bomb. Um, and then of course, Mecha Godzilla comes out. And what I was talking about before, before we got into spoilers, the Godzilla theme song plays. And I was like, <laughs> I understand that reference. <laughs> like, just, I, I don't think I remember hearing the, the theme song. Don't you? Oh, yeah. When, when Mecha Godzilla comes out, it goes. Fuck, I need to re-listen to that. Yeah, man. It was great. And I was like, ah, this is this is real fun. And look, the... The final battle's great. The um, they condense so much, but the book is so wordy and so like it takes more sentences than it needs to to like get to the point. And it's the book is set up like a video game, and the movie's set up like a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is like that's why you get Spielberg to direct it. Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, um yeah, the- like, but the, the 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 final battle especially is one that you like would want to go through. Like when it come when this comes out on Blu-ray, the movie details subreddit is going to have a field day <laughs> because it's like it, it's everything's like packed. I with- saw Pokemon. I saw yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Master Chief. I saw Overwatch characters. What else? Or did you see anything you thought that maybe not everyone would see? Um, I was trying to think of that. There was like. I don't know, there was a couple, like, Knack was in there. Oh, true, yep. Yeah. Cool, cool. It's crazy. What, one of the things I'm I'm struck with the, with this movie is, like, does Spielberg know what Overwatch is? Because I barely know what Overwatch is, and I, <laughs> I'm i 50 years younger than Spielberg. Like, is does he know what Halo... Well, I guess he probably knows what Halo is because he nearly made a movie. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he's got, like, VFX artists and stuff like that that mm. are doing this kind of and stuff. That, I'm and sure that happened. Yeah, like, they snuck in... Like, they they put in, yeah, like, yeah. the the um, Close Encounters UFO, and he was like, I directed that. You can't do it. You can't put that in there. <laughs> um, but he's like... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, there was another one. I can't remember what it was. And they were like... They snuck it in, and he was like, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... You know what I mean? Because it's like... Surely Spielberg is not this pop culturally aware. No, I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, the to be to be in his in your seventies and still 
still be able to have the foresight to put all these references in. He must have had help. I'd be interested in seeing what he he would have to say about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the film actually had a new character as well. Irock, played by T.J. Miller. Was it, he was a new character? I thought he was. I couldn't remember yeah. him from the book. Yeah, he wasn't in the book at all. Um, so he's like a bounty hunter and he's like a comic relief-y kind of bounty hunter. What do you think of him? Mm. Um, at first, I was like, oh, I'm only forgiving this because I like TJ Miller. But yeah. I actually thought he was quite a good addition. He was a great foil to um, Sorrento as a villain. And um, yeah. there's a great scene at the end before Sorrento's about to blow up the entire planet where where um, Irock is like, yo, I've got 10 years worth of shit inside me. And I was like, that's so true. That's so what someone in his position yeah. would say. I was like, no, what are you doing? This is so important to me. This is my entire, like, my, you know, all I do is play this game. You can't blow it up because I'll lose all my all my loot. Mm. <laughs> so I quite liked him, yeah, in the end. Yeah, there was um, the, well, the, the, the cataclysm, the- yeah, the cataclysm yeah. that they talk that they use at the end of the film. Um, there, there's one part that I really like in the book, and everything leading up to that part in the film, I was like, "Oh, they must not be doing this." And then they did do it, <laughs> and the way and like I, I this I, I even though we're doing like spoilers, I don't want to be too spoilery because this is like the end of the film. Um, just say it, man. People have seen it by this point. They just want to know what we think. Yeah, well, okay. So the um the extra life. So basically Sorrento- Oh, I saw that coming, dude. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, I I, I saw that was coming as soon as he got the coin. Yeah. Really? Mm, yeah. Well, I was like, um, okay, is that because Yeah, so so you ex- you explain how it is in the book. Yeah, well basically so he gets this um idea in the book that he's like oh i think i've worked out the last clue so he goes to this other world and like plays a perfect game of pac-man and then gets this coin and it goes into his inventory and he's like okay whatever and then in the last um battle um every everyone on the plan the sector gets killed but this coin was an extra life yeah and, and in the movie it's given to him by a robot butler at like the library mm. of Halliday's mind. No, as soon as he gave him the coin, I was like, "Well, thank God we're not going to have to sit through him playing a perfect game of Pac-Man to see this <laughs> plot plot point come to life." But I also liked. Um, I've talked about. I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before. I know I've made a video about it. I don't like when a callback, like a callback reveal in a film, is calling back to something that happened, like less than halfway back through the through the story right. and in in the book he gets the coin relatively close to the end and then it ends up being the like i don't know the smoking gun or whatever that that saves the day um whereas in the movie it's quite f- further towards the start and i was like cool like this is where it should be like it yeah. should be at this point in the story um and a lot of stuff there's has also, actually shifted um, around yeah there's also another like um twist involving the robot butler um, which was again a thing that I was disappointed they didn't include from the book, and then they kind of did include it in a way, and I was like, "Fuck! I wish I'd picked up on that, or I wish I had noticed that earlier." Mm-hmm. And that is, of course, that the robot butler, um, it's revealed at the end, was voiced by Simon Pegg this whole time, who was playing Ogden Morrow, who is Halliday's Wozniak, and mm. so. He was actually there the whole time helping them. And there's references to like Ogden Morrow uh, comes in about two thirds of the way through the book and then helps them all in the real world. And I was disappointed there wasn't more Simon Pegg in the film. But um, yeah, I, I liked the, that little twist because that was something that as someone who's read the book and is like, oh, I know everything going in, that was cool to actually be genuinely surprised by a twist. Mm. And also yeah. um, another thing that changed from the book as well is that like um, – uh, they've got Anorak's Almanac in the book, which is like um, Anorak is Halliday's um, avatar. And he, um, there's like this book of just like everything you read. In the movie, it's like a physical place you go to. And I really liked those scenes where um, you can go and watch any scene from Halliday's life and the way that like they can, it's like a 3D model of it. And so you can yeah, like spin yeah. around and zoom in, even though it's like a scene playing out in real life. That was cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, in general, I actually really liked how, um, the challenges were ultimately actually like a character arc for Halliday, like post death. In, mm. in the book, the challenges all relate to, to things from pop culture and the learnings you've had from pop culture. In the movie, it deals with like the, his regrets and his like lost love and what he wishes he'd done with the company. And I was like, that is a better idea. Like instead of relying on another story to like dictate what the, where the, um, big these big moments in the in the ready player one story are it's actually a completely original character arc for this lonely outcast genius and i was like yeah that's that's a that's a bit yeah that's a really good way of putting it that's really good Mm. yeah overall Um, i would say the changes make a bit of film but there was a lot of stuff that like but then at the same time it's like and i always say this about reboots and stuff is that like you still have the original media like ghostbusters 2k16 doesn't erase the original ghostbusters if you like both great you have two films you like if you like if you don't like the remake then you know you've you're at the same place you were before it came out who cares um and so now i've got like a book i really like and then a film that i quite liked as well but I, i feel like i need to see again knowing all the changes now and just watching it as a film rather than because I feel like I watched it this time very analytically being like, Oh, how are they going to do this thing? How are they going to do this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, another big change in the movie as well is that, um, you see everyone's real identity a lot earlier in the story. what do you think of that? So, so, um, Everything's shifted quite quite top heavy. So probably the first two thirds of the book, or actually probably the first half of the book, is like in the first quarter of the movie. Yeah, um, and I thought that was a again. It's one of those things that I'm not. It's it worked for the movie, but it doesn't necessarily mean the way they did it in the book was it was wrong. Terrible. Or worse, yeah. yeah, because a big big part of it is that. Um, uh, Artemis in real life has a birthmark on her face, which you don't find out till like the last page of of the of the novel. Yeah, and like, in, in the movie, it's it's a bit more. It's it's about halfway through, probably. Yeah, I think it works well in the book to not have them meet until the last page, but like because we're not. Yeah, like yeah, I, th- I think it, 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 they, they they both work. Like you said, yeah. like neither one is necessarily better. It would have been weird to not have them meet, like especially if we like didn't see Olivia Cook until the last page or the last scene. Mm. <coughs> You're right. I'm not cutting this out. This yes. is going straight to air. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, was like, um, not only the, like a the cough, only but scene- I almost threw up as well. <laughs> the only scene that um, I missed that was in the book that wasn't in the movie. I say scene, it's more like an entire segment, um, is in the book, Wade infiltrates the IOI by becoming one of their drones and, like, attacking it from the inside. And in the movie, because, as I said before, it's not strictly first-person perspective, they kind of shift that around. Like, Artemis gets both the second key first and is kind of that working-from-the-inside character, which is great. It gave her a bit more to do in that scene and was an excuse to see her in person instead of in Avatar form as well. So, I don't know. Yeah. It was I, I liked the... I loved how in the book he essentially has to run away from home and he and he um, goes into this hotel for months and this apartment rather for months. And his Max Headroom as a butler. Yeah, and I miss Max Headroom and he like shaves all his body hair and like becomes this blob of a mess to like- Yeah, you I kind of knew they, were, they weren't going to do that. I know, yeah, of course they weren't. But like I really liked that desperation and coldness in that part of the book. It's probably my favourite part of the book. Um, and that's, the, this movie you could- probably see takes place over the course of a much shorter time frame than in the book which is maybe like a year or so yeah because the book makes a point of like um one of the keys i think finding the jade gate or something like that it takes ages and then like sorrento ends up finding a lot of stuff earlier than than our gun to heroes but um yeah i i agreed i i missed that um infiltration part from the book as well but um i was gonna say i was gonna mention this in the non-spoiler part but that it's interesting how um artemis and samantha 
um, the the her, the real person, are like way more interesting than Wade. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> and even, even like H, like but but because H has like a a twist and like a a quirk, mm. it's like yeah, they're both just this m- is yeah, this is one of those movies where the the hero is by and large the least interesting <laughs> character in the film. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, like you even get more of an insight into like Halliday. Mm. Yeah, it's a um, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting film, and I think <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of discussion around this film as well in the um, mm. days and weeks and months to come. And uh, yep. we got there first, so we did. We got there first, so suck it, um, uh, screen junkies. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> this this little channel from New Zealand that nobody nobody knows about. Uh, we got there first. Yeah, like I I haven't read other than like a couple of initial reviews. I haven't read like general consensus kind of thoughts on it, and so I'm quite interested to go and read and know how right or wrong my opinion was. I read the um the Reddit comments. Well, don't spoil it for me, mate. Okay. I won't. This is the this is the spoiler free part for the reading of the reception. Read. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that that about we've said all we need to say. Hmm. I've got nothing else to say. Yeah, I've got nothing else to say to you. I've got. <laughs> I've been hurt before. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and agree or disagreed. I don't really care if you disagreed or disagreed but i do want to know what you thought about um ready player one the film have you read the book what do you think of the movie and um what was your favorite reference mine was chucky <laughs> yeah what's something that you picked up on that you don't think everyone would have <laughs> chucky no one else noticed him oh that was so funny. <laughs> um all cool. right well um enjoy your friday mm. and um like us on we'll facebook We'll see you here next time. Follow us on YouTube. Tweet us on SoundCloud. I can't remember all these things. We're on Instagram. Instagram, I want to get more traffic driven to our Instagram because Instagram is quite a cheeky social media because, like, you can can spam on Instagram and nobody cares. More like Insta-spam, am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Um, That was the Ready Player One novel of, of jokes. Richard, a lot of people are going to enjoy it, but I thought it was a bit much, to, <laughs> to be honest with you. All right, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And See ya. Happy first to the egg. That's what they say. First to the egg. <laughs>